Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the week six edition of the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Flagship Podcast. I'm Drew Dinkmar in the host chair once again this week. I'll be joined by Christopher Pacheco, the numbers guy, uh, who helps out on all of our premium content. And Chris, now that NHL season is here, I can officially acknowledge that you also contribute on the NHL content, <laughs> along with NBA, NFL, college football. You've got MLB. You've got your hands on pretty much everything. Uh, but you're here to talk NFL week six today here with me. How are you doing, Chris? Hey, Drew. I'm... I'm doing great. Uh, I'm excited to do this podcast for the first time. Uh, last time we were supposed to do this podcast, but, uh, well, the others kind of took it upon themselves and we ended up doing something different. I'm really excited to be doing this today. Yeah, so we'll go game by game, breaking down the 10 games on the main slate. Uh, just as a heads up, for those of you who have been accustomed to finding these pods in your iTunes feed. We did discover that we have um, a, bit, a little bit of an issue with our upload uh, provider this week where it wasn't catching onto the iTunes feed. It is something that we're working on and aware of. Uh, those of you who have tweeted or you know sent in support notes, uh, thank you for alerting us to the situation. We should have it resolved relatively soon. Um, but we will be continuing to promote these uh, links through our uh, Twitter feed, through our Slack channel for premium subscribers, and so on and so forth. So hopefully you're still able to get all this great content. All right, let's start with the first game uh, in our Optimizer. We'll work left to right in the game section uh, for those of you following along at home. New Orleans Saints visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars. From an injury perspective, the Saints obviously are still without Drew Brees. Uh, there was some positive news in terms of his recovery this week, but it's not it's not going to be week six. It's it's maybe a little bit earlier than original timelines, but it'll still be the Teddy Bridgewater show. Uh, Traquan Smith uh, didn't practice on Wednesday. He left week five late with a ankle injury, and it was you know his first return back um, after some time off. So we'll see if he's impacted. Otherwise, the Saints are relatively healthy. The Jaguars, one interesting note, Jalen Ramsey practiced on a limited basis, and this was after he saw a back specialist. So we'll see. The Jalen Ramsey saga has kind of you know, turned uh, the last few weeks. We'll see if he's able to play. Uh, Calais Campbell was limited in practice, but I think that's just a, a veteran day for, for uh, uh, an older player. So I think the Jaguars are relatively healthy here. Not a lot to cover on the news and notes. Jaguars are one-point favorites at home. Mm-hmm. From a DFS perspective, Chris, what has your eye in this game? Well, I think... If you're playing cash games, I think Leonard Fournette 
would be the the lone play that I, I think I would consider strongly in that format. Uh, Seventy three hundred on Fanduel, sixty seven hundred on Fanduel uh, on DraftKings certainly caught my eye. Uh, this is a running back that has been pretty much doing it all this year. Uh, and if, if you followed along, we are now projecting a 16% market share of targets there, uh, which is obviously huge, especially for DraftKings sc- uh, scoring. So really like for net, um, as far as cash games, um, tournaments, I still like him, but I, I feel like he's going to be really chalky. Uh, and if that's the case, you know, in a, in a sport with so much variance, I definitely don't mind turning around and, and going towards another player. Um, so in that, in that format, I feel like matching the market or going underway makes more sense, um, than going overway here. Um, that, but as far as cash games is concerned, Drew, I think that's about it for me. I know on the other side of this game, you have Alvin Kamara, uh, at 8,000 on, on DraftKings, uh, 7,900, uh, on FanDuel. I, I think that's more of a GPP play for me. Just too expensive, uh, for, for the role that he has. And it's still a valuable one. It's just not as valuable as Fournette. Yeah, the thing that I'd say, I, I think Fournette's price tag is certainly, um, more, more, more compelling than Alvin Kamara's when it's a, a pretty much a, a similar, if not worse, role uh, for Kamara. So I agree on the Fournette take. In general, the thing that I'll note about running backs this week is we're still in a little bit of a wait-and-see situation at the running back position because mm-hmm. of a few key injuries that could really shake up the dynamics of the running back position. I do, with you know extra teams on by this week with a little bit of a smaller slate in general, it is one that the running back position feels feels thinner to me. Um, we'll see if it opens up in terms of values um, with injuries to Todd Gurley and injuries to David Johnson that we're keeping an eye on that could really kind of open things up. But as a result, that might make it so for me that I, I'm running a tighter, more concentrated pool of running back options this week, and I'm not quite as concerned about ownership. It, it ultimately will depend on kind of how many more plays we get uh, that I feel good about. I think Michael Thomas would be on the fringe of cash game consideration, just like Kamara. Um, obviously, a huge performance last week from Michael Thomas when he was wildly underpriced on DraftKings in what was a, a week filled with chalk going off, and he was certainly a, another piece of that. He's back up to 7,800 now. I think it's a more appropriate price tag, but his role in that offense with a 30% plus market share of targets is really strong. And obviously, if Traquan Smith isn't able to go, it would just thin out the depth of that receiving core once again. The other guy that I think we have to talk about is DJ Shark, who seemingly scores a touchdown every single week. The price tag on DraftKings is at 5,500 now, so still not obscenely high. Um, it's a Jacksonville offense that I think none of us are really accustomed to considering multiple options from. It's a little bit of a change there, but Shark is 6,500 on Fandle and uh, obviously has a good rapport built in with Gardner Minshew and has been really, really productive. I think he's outperformed his opportunity set by a pretty wide margin early in the season. So he's a player that I, I keep kind of taking an underweight approach in tournaments, and it hasn't worked yet. I will probably continue to do that. I actually think D.D. Westbrook is an interesting leverage play because they're getting similar opportunity sets so far, and D.D. Westbrook was also kind of a highly touted receiver, Bolitnikoff winner coming out of Oklahoma. So I think... Um, D.D. Westbrook is an interesting tournament play. I, I want to see where Sharks' ownership ends up coming in. Um, but I, I think those guys are, are certainly in play as well. We should also note um, one injury that I didn't know because it wasn't a practice-related injury because he was put on IR, but the Jaguars did lose James O'Shaughnessy, who'd been playing uh, and capturing a pretty big market share of opportunities. Look for Jeff Swaim to get an opportunity now. I don't think 
I'll be playing much Jeff Swain, but there is a little bit more of an opportunity there for a really cheap um, tight end option. Let's move it to the second game uh, we're going to discuss here, the Eagles at the Vikings. Uh, the Eagles are three point three three and a half point underdogs going into Minnesota here. In terms of injury news and notes, you know, from an offensive perspective, uh, the Eagles are still expected to be without Deshaun Jackson. It seems like this injury is just lingering, um, this abdomen situation that he's dealing with, and now they're hoping for week seven, but it seems like every week they're hoping for one more week out. Um, so no no good news there in terms of Deshaun Jackson. We'll still have that all from Jeffrey Nelson Aguilar um, with rotating in with Matt Collins in uh, a lot more two tight end sets like we saw last week would be my guess with Dallas Goddard and, and Zach Ertz picking up targets as well. On the Vikings side, there's nothing really offensively to be too concerned about. Um, obviously, we had all the Steph Diggs drama la- last week, uh, none this week early to report in terms of practice news. So I think the Vikings are, are pretty much set as is. Uh, Chris, from a DFS perspective, this game has, you know, one of these low mid forties totals, uh, two pretty good defensive units. Um, how are you attacking this game? Well, I think the main play, uh, that I feel very confident in, in saying that I, I like is Dalvin Cook. Certainly priced up now, uh, but like Fournette has to complete control of the offense, uh, on the season thus far, a, a 21% market share of targets. Uh, in our projections, we scaled that back, but it's still at 18.6%, uh, which is just massive, uh, for running back. As you mentioned, Drew, we're, we're still awaiting to see how these injuries shake out at the running back position. So, um, I'm not claiming anyone to be a must or anything like that, but Dalvin Cook is certainly, uh, in my, in my radar, uh, across all formats, uh, this week. As far as receiving is concerned here, I think Adam Thielen, who who finally returned to uh, relevance uh, last week uh, with the Vikings throwing the ball more, um, is probably the the lone guy I feel really confident about. Um, Stephon Diggs and and his opportunities so far really hasn't been great, uh, but the price tags are certainly compelling, especially on FanDuel. He's 5,800. Uh, I think he is, he is certainly worth of tournament consideration, especially with the, uh, Thielen's performance last week. I think that will draw a lot of eyeballs, whereas Diggs, he, he really just hasn't had that eye-popping performance. So I, I think he is still intriguing in tournaments, though the, certainly opportunity worries me a little bit. Yeah, I, so I agree with Diggs' price tag on FanDuel really standing out to me is one to take shots on in tournaments. He's just such a talented receiver. It's been frustrating. The opportunities haven't been there. Uh, they certainly were there for, for Thielen last week, and he really took advantage of them. I do think this is a game that Minnesota may have to pass. Um, you know, we've seen, even though there are three, three and a half point favorites here, we've seen the Eagles, you know, over the last few years be a, a really stout run defense and a little bit more vulnerable in the secondary. And so, this is a game that I'm kind of intrigued by um, potential low ownership on someone like Stefan Diggs, but I do want to be cognizant of the price just because the volume is unlikely to be immense just the way that Minnesota's played. So I think that price on FanDuel is certainly attackable. On the Eagles side of the ball, I think this is going to be a week where everybody ignores the Eagles, right? Like last yeah. week, they were huge home favorites. Um, the offense kind of got derailed a little bit by a combination of the Jets' defense really isn't that bad and also – you know, uh, short fields leading to a rushing touchdown and then a defensive touchdown kind of just took the air out of the passing game. 
Um, Zach Ertz is just 5,400 on DraftKings and now projecting for much less ownership than we would have seen last week. I think that's pretty interesting. Um, and I don't think you necessarily have to pair Carson Wentz, but I, I just don't, in, in terms of, you know, if you're playing Ertz, you don't have to use Carson Wentz, but I, I think Wentz and Alshon and those guys, I think they're all going to be low owned. And I think this is a game that because the two defenses are pretty good run defenses, even though it has a modest total, it could end up playing a little bit faster than expectations. So relative to ownership, this is a game I am mildly intrigued by. Um, it's one that I want to see if the ownership kind of holds on the lower end of the spectrum throughout the week, but it's one that has my attention early on, um, whether it's via one-off plays or um, a few game stack opportunities. The next game pits two of the worst teams in the NFL as Washington travels to Miami. Washington is a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. Jordan Reed's still not practicing for Washington. Neither is Donald Penn, their, their left tackle. Uh, Keith Keenum did practice fully. It sounds like he's going to be the starting quarterback this week with Colt McCoy back to the bench. Obviously, there's a coaching change here with Washington, a coaching change that they've talked about wanting to run the ball more, mm-hmm. which is just uh, just awful. Um, on a number of ways, like they're not good at running the football. They play from behind a lot. Like I, I don't even understand the concepts. Um, but when you get, like we talk about this during baseball season a lot, when you get two of the really bad teams, you generally get really good price tags on a lot of these guys. And because they're playing opponents that aren't very good, you now start to get opportunities with favorable matchups where weird stuff can happen. <laughs> and like almost everybody is in play. And so I kind of feel that way about this game. Um, on the Miami side of the ball, Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant return to limited practices. They're coming off a bye week, so I think Miami's receiving core will be fully healthy here. Um, what are you What are you thinking about for this game from a DFS perspective, Chris? Because it's obviously very difficult to have confidence in either one of these offenses, but it's very very easy to have confidence in attacking either of these defenses. Yeah, certainly, and, and I believe uh, the coaches, the, the new coaches. Um, kind of comment was if we run the ball more than the other team we should be able to win which is it's just <laughs> I mean I I honestly don't think I have ever heard something like that especially in, in the modern NFL uh does not make any sense to me whatsoever um but with that said Drew I I feel like it's it's a very limited pool um right that that I think you should be choosing from saw that Kenyon Drake was getting some chatter around the industry. I look at our ownership projections, and he's he's projected to be owned at like eleven percent. Um, on there's some decent ownership projections uh, on, on, on these guys. Yeah, like and in I, this game, like they like uh, UFC early on in the week has uh, has uh, Preston Williams at like fifteen percent, Kenyon Drake at like ten percent. Um, it's a small week. And obviously Washington defensively is one you want to attack, and so is Miami. Yeah. Um, and these guys are all cheap, so it's it's weird. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Like, like, I can't not, imagine yeah. playing Dolphins players at double-digit ownership personally. I, I, me neither. Me neither. That that was pretty much going to be my comment. I, I, can, I cannot imagine having exposure to these guys at this ownership Um you know, like if I'm playing single entry three max, I, I just don't think that I can. And especially if the if the running back position opens up with the the injuries yeah. that we're waiting on, you know, at that point you're hoping that Drake's ownership perhaps goes down. I would think that it does, and 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 potentially substantially, um, and that's when I would I would potentially take a bite in in mass multi entry. Um, 
I, you know, I think the Redskins defense projects well for us on, on this short week and they're 3,200, uh, on DraftKings. That certainly caught my eye, uh, 4,200 on FanDuel, uh, as well as, is a, is a pretty decent price tag. Um, I think Redskins and, and Drake are, are like the best ones that I, I feel like I would have exposure to here, but I'm, I'm still looking at Drake's ownership to see if that comes down. Um, Maybe have a little sprinkle of Chris Thompson and Adrian Peterson, but obviously would not play them in the same lineup. Um, so yeah, there's Drew. This is just really gross. Um, not a whole lot to talk about here, in my opinion. So I think I do think it's interesting for some one-off GPP plays, and both Keenum and Rosen are so cheap that I think it's possible to stack them. These are guys that are so cheap that I would, if I was stacking them, I would only single stack. I wouldn't double stack um, because I don't see like 304 coming from these guys. <laughs> um, but I do see the path given the matchups are so favorable. Um, it'll be interesting for me to see if Terry McLaurin um, garners some attention this week. Obviously, he's been the dominant piece in the Redskins passing game. Um, and with no Jordan Reed, um, Vernon Davis might get some attention as well since he's really cheap. Um, this game projects for a low number of plays, and it's one of these things where both of these teams generally struggle to maintain possession in drives, and so, and you've got this like low total, but their defenses are so bad that it wouldn't surprise me if this game ended up being like an ugly shootout. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of intrigued here at spare parts. I would say that the, in general, the, the names that I'm more intrigued with are more the wide receiver tight end options. Um, McLaurin, Vernon Davis, um, Preston Williams, I don't mind, but I don't like it that ownership. So we'll see where that goes. But Devontae Parker is like the same price tag. I will say this about the Dolphins receivers. They have been playing without Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant. And if those guys are back, it just could muddy the snaps quite a bit. Um, none of these guys are cash game plays for me. Not, not a single one is, is a guy that I would want to play in cash games. Um, if it like, if it comes down to it and you don't get salary relief that opens up elsewhere, I, I guess maybe I'll consider that, but not kind of on my radar initially. Um, I do want to see how the slate shakes up in terms of opening up value though, because I do think, I do think this game has a lot of weird potential range of outcomes because both sides are so bad. And so um, I will probably have pieces of this game independently in a lot of different ways in GPPs just because it's it's a it's an unknown game. Uh, the key for me will be in unknown situations. The key is always focusing on what you do know, and you can usually project ownership a little bit better uh, than actual like player projections. So if if there's low ownership um, in, in cheap price tags on like a, a play in this game, like a Devontae Parker or something, I might be interested there. Um, let's move to Seattle, Cleveland. Seattle, uh, road favorite here is Cleveland has just looked nothing like what expectations were for this team coming into the season. Um, in terms of the injury news and notes, Cleveland is about as healthy as they've been all year. Uh, Odell Beckham was a full participant on Wednesday. Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, uh, were limited and it, it's possible that Cleveland might have an entirely healthy roster, um, going into this matchup. So that's good news on the Cleveland side for Seattle. Um, Dwayne Brown and DJ Fluker were sidelined for practice on Wednesday. It's early in the week and offensive linemen often will get rest days, uh, when they're dealing with stuff. Um, same with, uh, Pochich, the, the guard. So they have some offensive line issues to, to concern themselves with. Um, but no big skill position player injuries here. I think for the most part, these two teams are pretty healthy. 
Chris, what is what stands out in this game for you with Seattle and Cleveland? Well, I think on the Seattle side uh, of the of the equation, I really like Russell Wilson uh, and GPPs. I like Tyler Lockett. I, I really like that combination. Um, I think you know Will Disley is someone that certainly has has caught our our attention uh, this season, but. If I had to choose between one of them, I think Lockett would be my guy uh, at single-digit ownership, a mid-tier price tag that should just have folks uh, not looking at that play too much. Uh, so those guys certainly have my eyes in GPPs. I, I don't think that I would play either one uh, in cash games, especially over on DraftKings. Uh, on FanDuel, Russ is priced up too, um, not seeing much of a discount. Uh, on Tyler Lockett either, though I do like the price tag over there at 6300 Um So those guys are going to be in the mix for me, uh, for sure. Looking at the running back position uh, on the Cleveland side, Nick Chubb uh, at 7300 on DraftKings is someone that I will have exposure to uh, in, in tournaments on both sides, really. He's 7800 on FanDuel, not too bad of a price tag. Uh, the game script is, 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 you know, because Cleveland is projected to be a dog, it doesn't look too favorable, but it's only two points. So I feel like, you know, it shouldn't impact Chubb too heavily. Uh, so he will be on my, on my player pool as well. Yeah. Uh, Chubb, I mean, last week, right, they get blown out, um, by San Francisco and he plays 84% of the snaps. So I feel like at this point, you know, Chubb, who's got just under 84% of the carries this year, is very much a workhorse role uh, that is generally less vulnerable to game script. Obviously, he doesn't have a huge passing down role, but I, I think he's pretty safe. And we've seen Seattle um, you know, struggle with opposing running backs this year, even when their defense has played well. You know, they played well uh, at Arizona. David Johnson had a, a you know, 150 total yards in that game, a lot through the air. Uh, Todd Gurley had a couple touchdowns on that, uh, that incredible, uh, Thursday night game last week. Uh, Joe Mixon ran, or, uh, not, uh, Joe Mixon ran well before getting hurt in week one. Then Gio Bernard had a decent day. So like, I think, I think they can be vulnerable to the running back position. Um, Cleveland's obviously had a ton of offensive line issues. Um, and, and so, you know, Chubb, I'm, I'm pretty good with. The passing game, it's, it's tough. Like, Odell is getting so freaking cheap yeah. that it's hard not to be taking shots. He's 7,600 on FanDuel at this point. Um, he's 6,800 on DraftKings. And so it's going to be hard to get away from this game for me. This is a weird week, you know, and we haven't, uh, like, all the games we've talked about so far are these mid 40s totals. So, but we'll get to a few games that really stand out. And after Chalk hitting so hard last week, I feel like everybody's going to flock back to it again. And it's, um, you know, as a, as a, as a more contrarian player in GPPs in NFL, which I am, um, this is, this is an, <laughs> this is a slate that worries me a bit, but the, there are a few games in the Seattle Cleveland where the price tags are good enough on like the key components that I can build in some correlation in my lineups. And so, you know, Baker starting to get really cheap too. I can see stacks that are, you know, Baker, uh, Odell, Chubb type situations, um, and bring back with Lockett. Cause if, if Cleveland plays really well offensively, then you know you speed up Seattle and then you get shootouts. 
The, the concern is if Cleveland does not play well offensively, then Seattle just sits on the ball and takes the air out of the ball and the, and the game slows down substantially. So it is a game that is very dependent on how Cleveland plays. If you think they're going to play well, I think there are really good stack opportunities. I think at the very least you can do key boost stuff and correlate um, guys like Lockett and Chubb um, in GPP lineups that make a lot of sense. Let's move over to the game that I think will be the featured game on the slate. Houston travels to Kansas City. This one is interesting to me because, you know, Houston's only a four to five point underdog on the road in Kansas City, which suggests that on a neutral field, you know, they're one to two point uh, underdogs to Kansas City. Feels to me a little bit like an overreaction to Kansas City playing very poorly against Indianapolis in a game where they were down a lot of skill position players and they had some offensive line injuries during the game. Um, the Texans, from an injury perspective, they gave DeAndre Hopkins a rest day on Wednesday. Kenny Stills was limited on Wednesday. He was limited all week last week and then didn't play, so I think we we need to keep an eye on that. Um, for Kansas City, their offensive line is is a mess. Um, Eric Fisher mispracticed yet again. Andrew Wiley was sidelined uh, with an ankle injury that he missed week five against the Colts. Sammy Watkins mispracticed due to a hamstring. Uh, Tyreek Hill limited in practice. He was limited all week last week. Basically, he needs to be cleared to take contact. It's unclear if that'll happen this week yet, so we're still waiting on that. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was listed on the injury report with an ankle issue but got a full practice in. Uh, this game has the biggest total of the week, as you'd expect, after Houston-Atlanta went nuts last week, and any game with Kansas City always uh, brings an implied high implied total. I think there are a ton of plays in this game. Um, I think you could pretty much roll through the cash game options quickly and say, like, Mahomes and Hopkins, um, Deshaun Watson. Those guys are all good cash game options. We'll see who's healthy on the Kansas City receiver side, right. but depending on the health situations there, there could be cash game options. I think if Sammy Watkins is healthy and good to go, even though he's priced well, you cannot consider him a cash game option after yeah. what we saw last week. Um, so I think he would be tournament only. But I think the big thing is, like, how do you handle this game in tournaments? Because last week we saw, yeah. you know, just chalk going off left and right. Uh, Will Fuller, you know, the leader of that, scoring almost 60 DraftKings points or whatever it was at 4,500. This game is going to have a ton of ownership on it. Um, what do you, What are your thoughts on how to attack it in GPPs? Well, it, it feels tough, Drew, uh, off the get-go because – Hopkins projects for nearly 20% ownership. Um, Fuller projects to be right around 10. We have him right now at 9. And Fuller, by the way, is dependent on that Kenny Stills uh, situation, right, in order for him to, to uh, you know, kind of acquire a bit more market share. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye out on that. Uh, but in the, on the moment, like, it's hard for me to get excited for a 6K Will Fuller coming off an insane performance uh last week. So my guess is I will not I will not like to have a ton of him uh this week. Um last week I actually had none in three max through which I mean pretty yeah. much took me out of contention for, for Yeah and, uh, and I mean yeah. it's one of it's one of those things where look like a a twenty five percent owned Will Fuller, a guy who yeah he can put up I guess, you know, I normally would have said like 30, but yeah. I guess we can say 50 now. Um, he can put up 50, I guess. Um, but a lot of times he'll also put up like single digits and wide receiver is a very volatile position. And obviously it was, it was a very good matchup in terms of the game environment. I still, you know, in terms of what Will Fuller does well, 
Atlanta typically doesn't allow a lot of stuff over the top. They allow a lot more into in, in intermediate um, routes. So I was surprised that Will Fuller was the guy who's commanding so much of the market share. Um, that being said, I think those types of guys in general, you know, you want to play them when they're lower owned. And, um, you know, this week he will be a little bit lower owned. I don't mind him. Uh, I like him more on FanDuel than I do on DraftKings because I think 6,600 on FanDuel is a little bit easier to swallow. I will say this. I don't think he's as impacted by the Kenny Stills news. The thing that has held true for Houston the last few weeks is they've been playing a little bit more two tight end sets. And so it's been a lot of Hopkins and Fuller on the field. And even last week without Kenny Stills, Kike Kute only played 43, 44% of the snaps, whereas Darren Fells played almost 80% and Jordan Aikens played over 65%. So they're playing a lot more two tight end stuff giving Deshaun Watson a little bit more protection and just allowing um, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller to basically operate as the primary two guys. So I think those guys are fine. I think Kansas City, obviously, you know, Kelsey is going to be a popular target because he always is at the tight end position. Um, there's a lot of these narratives about Mahomes versus man versus zone coverage uh, this week. I don't I, – I think all of that is like small sample size stuff, and I don't really – I don't really care for it much. Um, I think Mahomes is a fine play in cash games if you can afford them. I think in tournaments, um, I really want to see what shakes out on the receiving core before I'm yeah. confident in how to stack him. Um, and so obviously like Demarcus Robinson and Nicole Hardman are a little bit more affordable. Um, and we'd have to see where ownership goes if Sammy is ruled out or if Tyreek's back, that's a different thing. If Tyreek's back and Sammy's back, then all the ways to stack him get really expensive and I'll probably be less likely to do it. So there's a lot waiting here. Um, I'm sure we'll tackle it a ton in our Saturday premium podcast for, for subscribers. But I, in general, my, 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 my suggestion would be, and this is the way that I, I play. Um, I played a lot. I played a decent bit of, uh, Watson Fuller type stacks last week with brought back with, a uh, an Atlanta piece and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and, but what I did was I made sure that my lineups overall had projected ownership. That was 120% or less. And so what that prevented me from doing on a chalk bomb week is have like McCaffrey and Fuller and Michael Thomas in the same lineup together, which you need because all those guys were projected for pretty big ownership with Watson. And so I just couldn't get those types of lineups. I will still build that way this week. So I, you know, I will be doing all my normal groups and boosting and I will have the ability to have ownership on these stacks but it will be cognizant of using pieces that have lower ownership numbers as those secondary pieces. And I think that's the way you, you should be playing these games. Um, yeah. I think especially after a week where the chalk went nuts, people are going to be more excited about firing it because, look, when you get stuff wrong in DFS and it's the stuff that everyone else gets right, there is no more stupid feeling than you have. So, like, when you're a contrarian player and the chalk is going nuts, you feel so dumb. Yeah. Um, and, like, when you're a contrarian and you get it wrong, uh, you don't feel dumb, but if the chalk, if, if the chalk is doing really well, you do. And so I think, um, there'll be even a little bit more carryover ownership this week than normal on this game because it does stand out from a total perspective and chalk just went nuts last week. Yeah, so you had asked me previously, like, wh- how I would attack, uh, this game from a tournament perspective. And so I mentioned it was, it was difficult because it seemed like there's a lot of, uh, chalk pieces in this game, but you hit on the Kansas City receiving situation, obviously outside of Travis Kelsey, uh, who should be popular, even though he hasn't had, like, 
uh, a really standout week uh, just yet from a production perspective. We all know that it is coming. Uh, but the uncertainty on the receiving side in Kansas City for the wide receivers is how I would want to attack it, especially once we start to get some news in here. Uh, because Robinson and Hardman uh, are right now just too expensive for their projections. I think they're going to come in with really, really low ownership, Drew. So if I am playing other parts of this game, I would certainly include them because I, I would like to have some sort of leverage. Um, and I feel like those are probably the better leverage pieces, uh, yep. at least from the Kansas City side and, and potentially the entire game, given how chalky the Houston side will be as well. Yeah, the other point I'd note is that if Watkins and Hill both miss, uh, Byron Pringle is going to be really highly owned. Right. Um, he played 77% of snaps last week. He's 4,500 on FanDuel. He's 3,500 on DraftKings. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to be monster chalk, which will be one hell of a situation to have to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> like, a guy, a guy we've seen play on the field, like, one uh, regular season game, stupid cheap, in the best game environment on the slate, and pushing, like, I would guess, like, 15 to 20%, um, which, at that point, I would still probably play. But, um, yeah, tricky tricky spot and one that we just need more information on the injury stuff uh, to play out. All right, let's move to Cincinnati and Baltimore. Baltimore is a huge favorite here uh, at home, like 11, 11 and a half points. From an injury perspective, still no A.J. Green. Uh, obviously no John Ross. He's on IR. Uh, Alec Eric, Alex Erickson, who started last week, suffered a concussion in that game. He uh, was limited in practice on Wednesday. Uh, I don't think it has a huge impact. I really don't think you're playing uh, Bengals on this slate in general. Mm-hmm. Um, from Baltimore's side, Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown missed practice on, on Wednesday. But that's kind of a normal practice thing. Obviously, Brown had a reoccurrence of an ankle injury last week. That's something we need to pay attention to. I think most of the plays are on the Baltimore side of the equation in this game, Chris. But what do you think? Yeah, so you mentioned you're you're not going to be playing uh, a lot of Bengals, which I, I agree I think the one Bengal that I do have some interest in tournaments, uh, with confidence, it's, it's Tyler Boyd. Uh, 14 targets last week in a game that they were trailing, uh, and ultimately were able to tie up, but lost, uh, in the very last few seconds of the entire game. But they don't get there, uh, without Tyler Boyd. And honestly, Drew, I don't, I do not see how they can keep this even semi-competitive if Boyd isn't having uh, at least a, a good game. Uh, and so we're projecting him to have like 5% ownership. This is a type of play that I really like uh, in, this sli- in this slate. It feels very contrarian because the total on the Bengals side is really ugly. It's under 20, um, which should keep them passing a lot. Uh, and so Boyd is, is someone that really stands out to me in tournaments. Yeah, he he will be interesting to see what kind of ownership holds on. He's he's projected to be a little bit more popular on FanDuel than on DraftKings because he's a little bit cheaper over there. Um, I do think Lamar stacks are back in play. Um, the one thing that I'll note is is that Cincinnati has just given it up to running backs in such a substantial way. It's very difficult for Mark Ingram to project well because he doesn't have a huge passing game role and the carries are getting split so many ways in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson having a big rushing role and with Gus Edwards having a good rushing role. But basically if you look at Cincinnati's game log in terms of like who is hit against them at the running back position, 
it's not just been one running back each week. It's almost been two running backs every single week. Um, Chris Carson the first week went nuts against them. Then San Francisco, you remember, it was like Mostert and um, Jeff Wilson scoring left and right, and Brita had it over 100 yards. Um, then against Buffalo, Frank Gore got it done. Um, then against Pittsburgh, it was Jalen Samuels and James Conner going off. Last week, uh, Dave Johnson had like 150 total yards and Chase Edmonds had, you know, a touchdown and like 60 yards on like 10, 10 total touches. So Baltimore, a team that can run the ball, likes to run the ball quite a bit. Uh, this seems like a game where I, I feel like Mark Ingram, I feel like, oh man, even because it's a limited running back pool week, I could even see some really low uh, flyer numbers on like a Gus Edwards in an MME type set on FanDuel where touchdowns are really a big part of the the scoring. Um, These guys aren't going to project very well because you just have to chop it up so much. But if weird things happen, and, and there's a lot of ways weird things can happen, weird things can happen in the sense that Baltimore can just dominate from such a substantial uh, play perspective that they end up running the ball a lot more than even our, our baseline projections, which have them at like 50-50. Um, and obviously efficiency can be buoyed quite a bit. I think it's interesting to take shots at all different edges of the Baltimore attack. I think you'll see more of the shots on the passing side in our projections because the passing uh, opportunities have been a little bit more condensed with Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. But I would not uh, prevent myself from taking shots on the running back side in tournaments as well. I probably would make rules where I would have at most one of Lamar Jackson or Mark Ingram or uh, whoever you're going to use. But Cincinnati has been so bad against the run early in the season um, that I do think there's shots to be had here. And, you know, Mark Ingram's going to come with some ownership, but I don't think it's going to be a ton. Um, I know there was two weeks ago that he had like a 20 plus percent ownership that like really stood out and was really surprising. His price tag is awful, like awful yeah. on DraftKings at 6,600. Um, and I probably won't play it on DraftKings. On FanDuel though, because the site values touchdowns so heavily, mm-hmm. um, he's one of the guys that I could easily see scoring twice this week. And so I will have him in some GPPs, but he could score twice on DraftKings and not even be worth it at that price tag. Right. If he like, has two rushing touchdowns and 80 yards. It's not really doing a lot for you at 6,600. So I'm going to be price sensitive, but I do think they're they're in play there. Um, let's move it over to the Atlanta Arizona game, and this is why this week feels just like a replay of last week, right? Like last week, it was two games that everyone was all over. Houston in Atlanta was one of them. The other one was Arizona Cincinnati that people seem to be playing quite a bit, and it felt like all the other places it was harder to like justify. And this week kind of feels similar. I think this Atlanta Arizona game is once again going to draw a lot of attention. It's got a 50 plus total. Atlanta's you know three point favorites, uh, two and a half to three point favorites on the road against Arizona. Uh, Julio Jones didn't practice on Wednesday with a hip injury. I don't think it's a big deal, um, but with Julio, you always kind of have to keep an eye on stuff. Usually he gets rest days uh, on Wednesdays. Desmond Trufant sat as well. For the Cardinals, uh, David Johnson is the big injury issue. He's got a back issue that they're trying to monitor, and they basically said, like, he probably won't practice a lot during the week, and then we'll see. Christian Kirk did re- uh, return to a limited practice. It's earlier than the timetable we expected, so we're going to be hesitant to kind of bring him back into projections until we see some full practices uh, or get an update on Friday. But those are the big new, the, the big injury situations around this game, and <clears throat> they primarily surround Arizona. Yeah, I think there is a good deal to like about this game, Drew. Obviously, as you mentioned, 
uh, game that DFSers will likely just circle uh, and have lots of exposure to. But, you know, early on, I'm seeing pretty friendly ownership, especially on the quarterback side. Uh, for Matt Ryan, we're projecting him for around 7%. Kyler Murray, right around 85 Uh They're mostly on the affordable side. They have mid-tier price tags, uh, really. So I, I think, you know, this game could turn out chalky on some on some players, but I don't think it's going to be a chalk fest everywhere. Um, whereas that other game we we spoke about earlier uh, between Houston and Kansas City, it does look like it will have uh, potentially even more chalk uh, than this one. So I think the quarterbacks are certainly in play. And when you look at just how the defenses have fared up uh, this season, Arizona ranked 27th in defense and defensive uh, DVOA against the pass. Atlanta ranked 30th, so uh, both of these passing offenses should have a lot of opportunities. And obviously, if you're playing the quarterbacks, which I think Kyler, you, you can usually play him as a as a one-off without a stack because of his rushing potential. But I don't think in this game you're doing that. I, I think you want to pair him up with with some pass catchers. I think Larry Fitzgerald would easily be. You know the the one A here. Um, if Shays Edmonds kind of emerges, uh, that would obviously be ideal. But it's he would actually turn to be a pretty chalky piece uh, of this game. So we'll we'll have to monitor that. Um, there's just so much to like in in this game on both sides, really. And as I mentioned, Drew, I think even though it has this high total, I don't think it's going to be as chalky as as you might think. Just looking at the ownership projections. So the thing that I'll note is if, like, if Dave Johnson sits, this game is going to get really chalky. That, yeah. So, like, Chase Edmonds is going to be super owned, one of the highest owned players on the slate, and with good reason. Um, he can catch passes. He's been efficient when he's gotten opportunities. He's 4600 on DraftKings, which is a pretty affordable price tag. Uh, on Fandle, he is hovering uh, at 5,200. I mean, he would be one of the highest known plays on the slate if Dave Johnson misses. So you've got that. If Christian Kirk misses, I think Larry Fitzgerald is going to um, – you're, you're going to see that ownership number climb during the course of the week. He's 5,600 on Fanduel. Uh, he's just over 6K on DraftKings. Uh, he's had a really consistent opportunity set, and obviously if they were without David Johnson and Christian Kirk, there would just be a ton of opportunities to flood in the projections because you can't project Chase Edmonds to fill David Johnson's entire receiving role. Yeah. That would be too optimistic of a projection. On the Atlanta side, Austin Hooper is going to be mega-owned because everybody's going to do the flow chart versus Arizona thing, um, and Hooper has also been one of the most productive tight ends early in the season. So, And he's not super expensive, so I think he's going to be very owned. I do think there will be pieces of this game that won't command ownership, uh, like Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu, I don't think are going to command a lot of ownership. I think the quarterbacks are going to be modestly owned. I don't think there's going to be a, a, a big way to play that one way or the other. But I think ultimately this, the ownership on this game stems largely on David Johnson's health. Yeah. Um, if David Johnson is good enough to go, he'll command some ownership, but not nearly what Chase Edmonds would, just because of the price gap differences. So... Um, in terms of how I will attack this game in GPPs, same way that I'll attack the Houston KC game. I'm going to set overall ownership caps on my lineups. It'll likely result in more, for me, more exposure to like Matt Ryan stacks with like Sanu, um, and maybe Julio. We'll have to see how Julio's health progresses. His price tag is up there, so I think that'll keep the ownership relatively in check. And maybe a little bit less Hooper. Um, 
certainly if if David Johnson sits and you you start your lineups with like Matt Ryan, Austin Hooper, Chase Edmonds, you're gonna have to be cognizant of the other plays that you're using because I think those will be quite chalky. Um, so again, another game that from an you know from an intrigue perspective, I'm, I'm I feel pretty confident it'll be there, but we'll have to monitor the injury news, which is similar in this next game as well as San Francisco travels to uh, Los Angeles to take on the Rams. The Rams are three and a half point favorites here. Uh, San Francisco was obviously super impressive on Monday night. Um, they're a very difficult team from a DFS perspective because they use multiple running backs. They, they split snaps at the wide receiver position. So it's kind of hard even in great game environments, which this game has a 50 plus total. The big injury news on this situation to, to pay attention to, you know, San Francisco is relatively healthy. They did lose uh, their starting right tackle, Mike McGlinchey, uh, who suffered a, a knee injury on Monday night. The Rams, Todd Gurley is the big situation here. He didn't practice due to a quad injury. Um, you know, it's we were so surprised that he had uh, an even bigger or normal workload on a short week, given all the injury concerns that they've kind of expressed throughout the course of the year with both their usage comments and training camp and uh, how much they invested in the running back position by drafting Daryl Henderson, by signing uh, or matching Malcolm Brown's offer sheet. Um, Wideout Brandon Cooks was uh, limited with a concussion that he suffered, but I think early week limited with a concussion is probably a good sign for his availability. Obviously, he has to go through the protocol, and, and that'll be a big deal because – you know, obviously the Rams play relatively concentrated snaps at the wide receiver position, so guys like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods would see more opportunities. Josh Reynolds would be on the field a little bit more. They also could go with more two tight end sets to combat that really strong defensive line from San Francisco. So you might see a little bit more Gerald Everett and Higby if Cooks is unable to go, but good signs early. Um, again, this is a game that we're waiting on the injury situation because if Todd Gurley's out, yeah. uh, Daryl Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown will become intriguing. They're both really, really cheap. It's not a great matchup because San Francisco's played very, very well defensively, um, but I think it certainly would shape the slate. If everybody's healthy in this game, you know, this is the game that I see with a high total that I don't think is going to command a, a ton of ownership. Um, it's interesting. Our early ownership projections have quite a bit on the Rams side, but the 49ers side, um, you know, outside of Kittle, doesn't really have much at all. What are your thoughts on, on this game, Chris? Yeah, it's um, it's certainly tough on the San Francisco side. And it's, it's pretty much because of what you mentioned. Uh, they split up the work so much uh, at every position that you end up seeing that reflected on the projections as well. No one is really projecting that well on the San Francisco side uh, on this game. So... I would certainly so if I'm playing single entry or three max, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I'm not going to have any of the San Francisco side, um, because I think the the player that projects the best is Jimmy Garoppolo uh, at quarterback, um, and then George Kittle uh, at tight end. So maybe George Kittle would be the one. So I, I I shouldn't have said none. I think Kittle would be intriguing for sure uh, in that format, given the price tag. 5,200 and, and the opportunity set and the, the skills here. Like, I'm, I feel really confident about that, whereas the rest of the, the San Francisco side, I really don't feel that way. So it would be mostly taking shots and, and MME. Um, on the Rams side, yeah, it comes down to health. Um, we're going to have to see the availability on Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks because it would pretty much change everything uh, uh, from an ownership angle. Um, I was surprised to see Cooper Cup being this uh, 
potentially high owned. Like we have a, a 17% ownership projection, uh, right now on him. If Cooks is out, I mean, it's going to be even more popular would be my guess. Uh, and he's priced mostly on the appropriate side. So I, I was a little bit surprised to see that given how stout, uh, San Francisco's defense has been. Uh, I think Robert Woods would be intriguing as well. Uh, even if Brandon Cooks is healthy, I, I, so my guess is, Drew, this ownership projection uh, has to be including some of the the Brandon Cooks potentially being out because Woods is projected for like sixteen percent uh, ownership, and I don't see in what world that would happen uh, if Brandon Cooks played. Like in my opinion, I just don't think it would be that high. Yeah, that was that was my instinct as well. Was that this game would kind of get overlooked from an ownership perspective, but right now the ownership projections have it as quite owned. Yeah. Um, I would say that I will be on the opposite side of whatever the ownership is on this game. Is will be my intent. Obviously, I don't know if if we get the ownership projections wrong, then I'll be on the same side and I'll feel like <laughs> an idiot. Um, but the way that I see this game is, I feel like um, San Francisco's defensive line can give the interior of the Rams um, offensive line some issues. And that's where the Rams have been vulnerable. And if you can really get that pressure up the middle, it disrupts their entire offense. And so I, I am hesitant here to invest aggressively in the Rams, or I, I shall say I'm hesitant to believe in this Rams implied total. Um, I think that San Francisco's defense has shown me quite a bit early in the season that I would be, um, I would be skeptical. And so if there's going to be a lot of ownership there, I probably won't be on it. Um, the, the girly stuff, you know, Malcolm Brown is just a, a totally different situation. Like if, if, he, if Gurley sits and Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson look like they're going to play a, a pretty big role and let's say David Johnson does play so Chase Edmonds isn't there, I, I'm going to play those guys because I'm always going to play cheap running backs with opportunities. Um, but I, I would be hesitant to play some of these wide receivers into higher ownership um, given what I view as a pretty darn good San Francisco defense early in the season. So this one I'm going to be really monitoring the ownership as the week goes on. The San Francisco side, as you said, it's just, it's really tough to play. I do like Kittle quite a bit. Tight end's a difficult position to, uh, replicate the kind of upside that George Kittle has, and the price tag is really good. I mean, low 5,000s for George Kittle is really, really good on DraftKings. So I will probably have a lot of George Kittle. He's 6,500 on FanDuel. Um, he, the, you know, the ball hasn't really gone his way as aggressively as it did last season, in part because San Francisco's played from ahead. They've been able to run the ball very effectively, but um, he's a he's a huge mismatch, and so I feel really good about Kittle, um, and I will play him into ownership. Totally happy to do that because I think tight end is just a difficult position to to replicate his upside. Uh, let's move over to Tennessee and Denver, one of the final two games that we'll cover on this ten game slate. Denver, a slight favorite at home here as Tennessee goes on the road. You know, from an injury perspective in this game. You know, there's really not too much going on. Delaney Walker sat on Wednesday, but that's been kind of his normal routine. Um, Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton were limited on Wednesday. For Sanders, that's been very normal. For Sutton, that is new, so it's something to pay attention to. But other than that, there's really nothing to, to worry about. From a, you know, from a DFS perspective, though, <laughs> both of these teams are among the most boring in the league yeah. to try to, to try to identify DFS plays from. The Denver side for me is a total math challenge because they're funneling so many of their opportunities to the running backs that each and every week the running backs median projection projects pretty well, but I'm always concerned about how much upside you can get when they're splitting so many of the touches. So you get in this weird spot where like, 
you know, every week I'm considering Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman because they're affordable. They're not projecting for ownership and the median projections like them, but you need the game to really swing a particular way for it to capture the upside. So I end up like playing them, but kind of capping my ownership on them. Um, and then the Tennessee side is just week in and week out a difficult one for me. I talked about playing a lot of Derrick Henry last week. Um, he had a second touchdown overturned due to penalty, which would have give, made him like a fine play. He didn't, you know, he didn't really break off any big runs. But I will probably do the same on a week where there's not a ton of running back plays that I'm super excited about, and he projects for sub five percent ownership again. I would think you're doing this on Fanduel. Not on DraftKings, correct me. I think you can do it on, I think you can do it on DraftKings too. Obviously you have less margin for error on DraftKings at 6100. It's just not a very good price tag. But I think you can do it on DraftKings too just because of the lack of depth at the position on the slate and the high end upside that he's shown. Like when he is right, he has one of the really biggest upsides um, of anyone at the running back position because they just keep feeding him and he breaks off big plays. And, you know, Leonard Fournette, um, ran all over Denver. Um, so I think like that big body back, I, I, I don't know. I think it's, you know, it's a one game sample, so I don't want to get too carried away, but <laughs> I do see, I do see the upside, uh, in Derrick Henry this week. And even though the price tag is not great on DraftKings, I would consider it there too. Yeah. I mean, it's, he pretty much projects as a break even play. So, I mean, the medium projection is not, uh, terrible by any means. Uh, I guess I'm just a little bit worried about his, uh, just inability to catch a lot of passes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's, on, he's only got one out. There's only yeah. one way Derrick Henry hits. Right. Uh, the only way Derrick Henry hits is Tennessee plays well on the road. They control the they control the ball, and uh, he breaks off some big plays and he scores multiple times. That's the only way he hits. It's yeah. a limited it's a limited range of outcomes. But Denver's not an offense that I think can run away from Tennessee. So I don't see too many scenarios where he is just completely phased out of the game. Yeah, I, I, I see, I see what, what you're saying there. Um, and I, I would also say, yes, that the Phil Lindsay, uh, the, um, Royce Freeman situation is a little bit annoying. It would certainly be better, uh, like, for example, if Freeman wasn't around, then Lindsay would just be, you know, the guy, but that is just not, it's just not the case, uh, in, in this situation. I would guess that, if no other running back value kind of emerges on the slate, Drew, so, you know, Todd Gurley plays, David Johnson mm-hmm. plays, I think Lindsay is a guy that is priced at least reasonably um, on the cheaper side of things. He's 5300 uh, on DraftKings and would kind of have my attention simply because there, you mentioned it, running back is kind of limited this week. And on the cheap side, there's just not a lot of guys that you feel great about. Um, so at this point, I'm kind of like hoping that at least we get one of those injury news um, on the running back situation to kind of, I don't know, open the position up a little bit more. Uh, and in that case, I don't think you're considering Lindsay too strongly. But at this point, uh, he's projecting as a near plus three value. Uh, and it, And he does have my attention because of those things. Yeah, and I think, so for example, um, I think Philip Lindsay is a better play than Kenyon Drake. Um, and I think there's similarities to the two, but Kenyon Drake is right now projecting for like three times the ownership for like $900 plus. Um, and so I, I think Lindsay is, is a better play. Um, so I will have some Lindsay most likely. I, I will even have some Freeman. I would not play them together, obviously, no. but, um, but I, I think they're cheap enough that on the slate, if the, if the values don't open up, you, you should be considering them. 
Um, the last game on the slate is Dallas traveling to the Jets. Dallas is about a touchdown favorite here. Um, some injury issues for Dallas. Uh, Tyron Smith didn't practice. Um, Leighton Vanderush didn't practice. Uh, Lyle Collins didn't practice on, on Wednesday. And Murray Cooper was limited. Um, we'll see. It's Wednesday. I'm not too, super concerned about any of those uh, uh, injuries. The big news for the Jets was that Sam Darnold was back. So I, I, you know, I think he's been cleared medically. Uh, he, um, he is, he, he's, you know, he's not at risk of death, which was his big concern, uh, playing last week. So, uh, he'll be back out there. Demarius Thomas was limited, um, and Robbie Anderson was full. I think the Jets will be relatively healthy here. The Jets are, this is a tricky one because they just, they've been so bad offensively, but they've been very concentrated offensively. Um, Le'Veon Bell has like a target share that's among the highest of all the running backs. He's really cheap. Uh, he's not going to be owned. Our projections really like him because if you give him all this work that he's had, it's hard the mat, It's hard for the math to look like, oh, he's not a good play. Uh, yes, he's probably not going to be efficient. Um, I I, <laughs> I I don't know. I, I shouldn't even say this, but I had a I had a dream last night. Oh, that, <laughs> That Le'Veon, that Le'Veon Bell on the first drive of the game had five catches and, uh, five rushes for 50 total yards. And it was like the first drive of the game. And he was basically like halfway to projection. Um, so, so if you so believe, that's what you dream about. if you believe that I'm a visionary, um, <laughs> he's a great GPB play. If you think I'm a tout hack that is now incorporating tarot cards and, uh, palm reading into my, uh, my methods, then, uh, fade away. But it looks like he's going to be relatively low-owned. Uh, he does have a pretty good receiving floor built in. Um, I think on DraftKings, he's pretty interesting. Obviously, on FanDuel, the scoring is just a different scenario altogether. Um, but he is pretty affordable there at sub-7,000. Um, so, yeah, I kind of think Le'Veon Bell is a, is a pretty good play. I really like Le'Veon Bell as well. So how about how about we do this, Drew? Scratch the dream. Okay? Yeah. Let's, let's just scratch the dream altogether. Yeah. Um, if there was, we'll just, any, we'll just edit that part out, right? Yeah. I, I, right. So I was hoping that we didn't even mention that and then I can just go in and just edit the whole oh, thing right. out. I just, I just screwed that up. So My that, bad. yeah. So you, you pretty much screwed that up, but we can say that we both like Le'Veon Bell a lot. So maybe, you know, that, that kind of just takes away the dream altogether. Um, <laughs> I really like Le'Veon. I, so I'm a little bit surprised that his ownership projection is this low for a back that has such a heavy influence on the passing game as well. Uh, we're pretty much projecting a 21% market share of targets there. Uh, you know, Bell is just not a back that is heavily impacted by game script. Like, regardless of what happens out there, he's going to be on the field. He's going to be getting you the ball a lot. And so with that opportunity set and the price tag and, quite frankly, a matchup uh, that looks pretty good on paper. Aaron Jones just absolutely destroyed uh, this Dallas front last week. Uh, went off for four touchdowns. Uh, right now, the Dallas uh, defense on the rushing side is ranked 20th uh, in DVOA. Um, so it's it's a pretty good matchup on that front. Yes, it's not a great game script for running the ball. But again, if that fails, Le'Veon Bell is always going to be a factor on the passing game. So I, I really like the ownership projection. I love the projection on the whole for Bell, and I would think he's going to be one of the guys that I, I have the, the most relative to the ownership projection, right? Like, I feel like I would easily double that projection just by letting things run 
in, in my own sets. Um, so I feel really confident about that one. Uh, getting away from Le'Veon in, in this uh, game and just kind of touting some other pieces. Uh, Michael Gallup is certainly interesting, uh, Drew. I, I know the Cowboys are projected to play from, from ahead, um, so, you know, it's that that's not too great, uh, but the run pass ratio on them right now it's like fifty seven pass forty three run um so that that's not bad uh and Gallup is priced in this weird way where he's he's not terribly terribly priced, but the price tag isn't great either he's a fifty six hundred on draftkings uh and this guy really has emerged as a threat for the cowboys like in that game that he missed. You can tell they really needed that uh, outlet. Um, so with him back and him being productive last week, I feel really good about that one as a GPP play as well. Yeah, no, no, no better way to uh, to end this podcast by talking about uh, dream dream visions and uh, touting a running back um, on an offense that scored two touchdowns through the first five weeks of the season. Uh, I feel really good about that, Chris. I feel like, you know, we were doing really well, and then all of a sudden things kind of got off the rails towards the end here. Um, it's obviously concerning with the with the Jets' offensive struggles on the whole, but I think it is a good proper uh, opportunity set for Le'Veon. And uh, even in all this disaster, the last three weeks uh, with the Jets playing from way behind, he's played 88%, 100%, and 89% of the snaps. Um, so really big workloads there. Uh, on the Dallas side, certainly Gallup and Cooper, I think, are interesting. Dak's relatively affordable. I think it's a decent bounce-back spot for for Dak. Uh, probably not a game-stack situation for me that I'm not super excited about, um, but I think you can uh, do some like, key-boost correlation stuff around Bell and some of the, the Cowboys' receiving options, certainly. Um, Before we finish, Drew, so, yeah. sorry, sorry, so, sorry for interrupting, but I did want to mention Jamison Crowder as well. I didn't want to leave him off because uh, mm-hmm. he's he's not expensive at all. He's just 4K uh, on draft. No, games. and when and when when uh, when Sam Darnold was the quarterback before, we just saw him peppering Jameson Crowder with targets. So I think Crowder is one of the um, more solid sources of salary relief. And Robbie Anderson's really cheap too. I mean, the Jets as a whole are super cheap. So I think there's lots of different ways you can play them uh, this week, even if you're not interested in stacking their offense because you don't think it has enough offensive upside, which is kind of where I am. Um, but that'll do it for, for this week's edition of the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast, the flagship edition, the game-by-game main slate breakdown. We will be back on Friday with Davis Maddock uh, hosting some Against the Spread picks. If you enjoy this podcast and want to keep it available to you during the course of the NFL season for free, please uh, subscribe, rate, and review. All of those things make a big difference in terms of getting um, our numbers up in the uh, algorithms for all these different podcast sites and uh, making sure that we expand our audience. If you want to join us for the rest of the NFL season or with NBA season coming up, there's some great deals uh, going on around uh, the elite packages. You can use the promo code LAUNCH to get yourself 10% off and become a Daily Roto subscriber. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and best of luck in Week 6. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. 
Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.